Today's episode of Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think opening night NBA tickets are cheaper three days or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Welcome to the debut of the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops podcast here at The Athletic. I'm your host, Brandon Funston, and I'm joined by our go-to guy, Eric Wong, a.k.a. Roto Evil. If you don't know Eric, I'll just say that he's putting together a legendary track record in the fantasy basketball universe, the all-time money leader in the high-stakes fantasy hoops world. Uh, so basically, the idea here is I'm going to be setting Eric up with the dimes, and he'll be slamming them home. Uh, is that fair to say, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I like the sound of that. <laughs> uh, all right, Eric. So uh, some really quick house cleaning. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Brandon Funston. You can find Eric at Roto Evil. You can also go to the RotoEvil.com website where Eric is offering a fantastic comprehensive draft guide. Uh, we also are lucky enough at The Athlete to have a whole bunch of his stuff uh, in our draft kit. You can find his rankings for auction values, Roto Leagues, head-to-head leagues, uh, sleepers, breakouts, a whole bunch of stuff. And if you go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes, you can get a 40% off subscription to The Athletic, and that will allow you to check out our other NBA podcasts as well, including back-to-back hoops adjacent with David Aldridge and The Daily Ding. I like that, The Daily Ding. I have not listened to that yet, but I love the name. I'm going to have to do that. Uh, all right, Eric, uh, you ready to get down to some nitty gritty with our debut of the Dunks and Dimes podcast and talk uh, a little fancy hoops? Let's do it. I'm excited to talk some hoops. Yeah, I mean, as we're taping here on a Thursday afternoon, uh, we are basically looking at the final draft weekend before the start of the NBA regular season. So this is kind of a big deal. Are you? Uh, uh, what kind of activity you got going fantasy hoops this weekend? I'm doing probably two drafts per day for the next few days, uh, including, you know, the biggest ones, uh, you know, leading up, it's kind of been some smaller ones, but definitely all the big drafts are coming up kind of, they save those for last, I guess. So you got like five or six, maybe even more drafts between now and tip off. Yeah. Six or seven, uh, big ones still (laughs) left to go. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, so what are you, what are you mostly playing in? Are you uh head to head or Roto? Like, and like, what's your favorite kind of format? Yeah, mostly Roto leagues. I definitely prefer Roto leagues. Only a couple of head to head leagues. Definitely do not like the head to head playoffs. There's so much luck involved and it's just, you know, coming down to those just a couple of weeks. Whereas the Roto season and, you know, it's a marathon and, uh, some people have trouble, uh, staying, uh, focused for that whole marathon, uh, sure. season but uh you know in the end usually the best teams end up winning whereas there's so much luck involved in head-to-head you never know what's going to happen at the end right and so are most of these uh snake drafts or the auction drafts one of my big ones is coming up uh tomorrow night and that's an auction draft 
And I definitely, I think I focus more on that just because uh, auction drafts are kind of harder to nail, right? You have to be really focused the whole time and have, you know, a couple of different strategies depending on uh, what happens. Uh, but yeah, the majority majority of them are snake drafts. I mean, you can go in with the idea that you want certain players, but you right. have to be willing to scrap that idea because you just never know what the passion level is going to be for everybody in the room for certain players. So that's that's what makes auction drafts crazy. Never, never is one the same as the other. You know, it's oh and, yeah, never. You got to be ready to pivot all time. So, uh, you know, and, and I know in fantasy football you get this question a lot, like. If you're doing a snake draft and and maybe you know where you're picking in, in all your leagues, is there kind of like a sweet spot to be in? Uh, I, I know you have James Harden number one on your list. Do you want to be the number one pick or do you find that you're getting you know better overall values con- consistently throughout the draft if you're picking somewhere else in the, in the first round? Well, just in general, it's nice to be in the middle of the draft because then anytime uh, a value guy kind of slips through the cracks, you can pick him up because you don't have to wait as many picks in between, right? Whereas if you're on the ends, either at the beginning or the end, then you know you have to wait a long time before you get to pick again, and uh, those value picks usually get snatched up before you. So it is nice uh, being in the middle. You can kind of control the draft a little bit more. Uh, but it all, yeah, it all depends on who you're drafting with and, uh, you know, which guys, which guys you're liking. The number five spot is pretty nice this year, I'd say. I mean, besides it being in the middle, you kind of get to get to pick whoever falls, but out of that, uh, Harden, Curry, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Carl Anthony Towns group, those are pretty, uh, clear cut top five in my opinion. And getting, getting one of those at five kind of fall into your lap is really nice. So you, you mentioned your top five. You have Damian Lillard at number six. Uh, just to round out your top 12, Bradley Beal, uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, and LeBron James. Like, So you mentioned the drop-off between Giannis and Lillard. Is there a bigger drop-off somewhere else uh, d- further down the list? Like, is it, uh, you know, it, or is that the biggest kind of cliff that you're going to get? Oh, no, there's a big drop-off, and uh, I wrote about this in my article, Nine Things to Know for the Season Ahead on The Athletic, that uh, I hope more people read because I do feel it's kind of a slept-on article, but I talked about how the gap between, um, maybe because I, I consider Beal, and he Beal signed his extension today, which should, uh, I mean, people are still talking about potential trade, but that should make um, people feel a little bit better about his current situation he played in all 82 games last year. He led the league in minutes played, and he has to do everything for that Wizards team. So I consider him a strong uh, number eight with um, Damian Lillard and Jokic. But after that, you know, after nine through like 25 is kind of wide open. And, um, you know, it only takes a little bit to uh, for one guy to to move ahead of a few guys. Um, sure you know, doing slight adjustments in my projections in that range, you you know, guys can easily leapfrog a few guys just with very minor adjustments. And it shows you how close that that group of players is. And so if you're picking it 10 or, you know, 10 through 15, you know, you can you can have a, a list of guys. But the truth is, you know, that 16 through 20 group, there could be guys in there that end up being finishing the year 10 through 15. So it it's a very close group after a those top eight. Yeah. And you talk about 
Kawhi and Kyrie and MB? Is it kind of just because those guys you're going to expect a decent amount of DMPs along the way, whereas the, the top guys you're not going to get maybe quite as much? Right, yeah, definitely with uh, Kawhi Leonard, as we saw last year, plus the Clippers are going to be such a strong team. MB, the 76ers are, are going to be very careful with him. Yeah, so I'd say those that's kind of what prevents them from being more reliable like the other guys. Okay, so if you're looking at the first couple rounds, like, like who do you think is, uh, if you could say, like, who do you think is being most overdrafted? Uh, who's the biggest pitfall, uh, the guy that you're steering clear of the most, if you don't mind? If you don't mind revealing that before your big weekend. <laughs> <laughs> biggest biggest pitfall? Um, well, one player that I'd like to talk about that I see rising is Pascal Siakam. And the players that he's kind of comparable draft range to um, that I have surrounded him in my rankings right now are Russell Westbrook, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Vucevic, and Jimmy Butler. And I think um, I think uh, people are... One reason why Siakam falls is because he's not a center. And so in leagues that, especially that start two centers, you kind of wa- want to lock down that elite center. And, you know, Rudy Gobert and Vucevic are considered elite centers. But, you know, when you do the eye test and you're just looking at, you know, who's the more dominant player, uh, I think it's pretty clear that Siakam is the the more unstoppable offensive player. Uh, the Raptors are going to need him to, to really step up his game. And people are uh, maybe not expecting him to do that because he was the most improved player last year. And it's kind of hard to uh, think that a the most improved player from last year can make another big leap, but uh, he's had a great preseason, and I think he's showing that uh, maybe he can take on that role. I think you got a, uh, I think you got a future as a politician because you like very adeptly avoided that question, and I, you know, and and kind of moved things on. So I'm going to take I'm going to take that cue from you, and uh, we'll just move on to to players that are moving up the draft because we that's kind of going to be the theme for this first podcast of Dunks and Dimes is. Uh, as we go into this final draft weekend, kind of identifying the movers, like the, the the guys that are kind of moving up and down the draft boards the most heading into this weekend. And you mentioned Siakam. He was on your list. Uh, you have him ranked 20th last year on Basketball Monster. I don't know what player reader you use, but on Basketball Monster, uh, he was 26. And that was with Kawhi. Like you have him ranked 20th. As as kind of sort of the the true man there now is is there room for him to move even higher than where you have him ranked at number twenty? Right. Well, that's the average ranking between his roto ranking and the head to head ranking. I have him at okay. eighteen in eight cat roto right now, and uh, yeah, I definitely think there's uh, room for him to move up maybe a couple more spots. Uh, you know, he could go past. Uh... So him him against Luka Doncic is very an interesting one and. And people, uh, people are gonna be wanting to draft Luca for sure. But he's got to, he's got to show that he can shoot his free throws at a higher rate. Uh, that'll be a big category for him. But if he, if Luca, if Luca doesn't shoot over seventy five percent like he did last year, he was under. He was like seventy three, I believe. Then Siakam could be more valuable than him, and Doncic is definitely the more uh, popular pick. What about comparing? Let's uh, Drew Holiday's on your list of uh, upward movers, point guard for New Orleans, and fifteenth uh, on your board. Uh, I think as, as your average across the the different formats, uh, number seventeen on Yahoo. 
and you have a, a couple other guys listed in his range. If we want to do some player comparisons, we could throw Bradley Beal, guys like Kyrie and, and Booker and Trey Young, Kemba Walker and Donchitz into the mix as a comparison. One thing I really want to quickly mention that I kind of compared your rankings to where they're going in like Yahoo average drafts. And you're considerably higher on all of them. Uh, maybe some guys only slightly, but across the board, every one of your guys is either even or higher. So right. just in a general sense, do you kind of feel like uh, there's an advantage to like moving those guards up a little bit, getting those elite guards a little bit earlier than the norm? Right. Well, I feel like Yahoo is uh, downgrading those guys because of turnovers. Mm -hmm. And uh, my opinion on turnovers is that, uh, you know, the low turnover guys are overrated because, you know, you're trying to rack up stats, then you want the high usage players and the high usage players are going to commit some turnovers, but they're going to do everything else for you. And it's going to be a lot more fun to have have those lead guards leading your team. Uh, So so I have no problem drafting high turnover players because I know my team's gonna gonna be strong in all the other categories. Um, okay, so back to back to Holiday, who we have on your list of upward movers. What's going on with him? Why do you think he's kind of getting a, a late sort of uh, draft bump here? Well, I I recently uh, just upgraded a very small upgrade. Like I said, it only takes a little bit, but I upgraded his steals. And, you know, people love to talk about the offensive side and New Orleans is going to play at a fast pace, which they are. They're going to score a lot of points. But, um, you know, good defense leads to offense. And I think New Orleans is going to kind of try to force as many turnovers as possible. And uh, he's a a great steals and blocks guy. And that's going to lead to easy buckets for uh, for Zion and company. And uh, so, yeah, just a slight steals bump kind of moved him ahead of some of those other guards, but it's a very close group and it's kind of more about personal preference. Um, you know, what, one thing I would stress in those early rounds is, you know, it's easy to just look at the rankings, but ultimately you want to go with the guys that you, you feel best about the ones that you trust, the ones that you like watching play, the ones that you just have a good overall feeling for, for the season ahead. And so it's really just a personal choice for, for those lead guards. Can I, uh, I, I just got to, you know, take a personal aside here. I, I just did a, I just did a fancy draft on Yahoo with a bunch of Yahoo uh, old colleagues of mine with Michael Beller. We are co-opting a team and because I'm the co-manager, I was, Beller couldn't make the draft. So I jumped in the draft room to draft for us. And because I was a co-manager, I was unable to draft. So I had to, I had to quickly get a hold of Beller and log in as him. And in the meantime, I got auto drafted LeBron number one with the eighth pick and Kyrie on the comeback. So um, it, how should I feel about that? I'm in a 12-team league. You get LeBron and Kyrie. Didn't work out great in real life. It ended in, <laughs> ended <laughs> unceremoniously. But uh, uh, how, how would that kind of pairing work for a fantasy owner this year, do you think? Right. I've seen Kyrie, Kyrie start to fall uh, because he's been out in preseason, but I believe he's playing tonight. So really it all it takes is, you know, one good performance tonight. And I think he'll go back to being a popular pick in that late first round. Uh, you know, yeah. people want to see their guy on the court first, but, uh, I think, you know, so he's supposedly happier in Brooklyn and should get plenty, plenty of shot attempts that their offense has been pretty strong in recent years. So, uh, yeah, definitely the Kyrie show there until KD comes back. LeBron has looked great in preseason. It's it's tough for me to to draft a guy with uh, as many miles as as he has on his body, the wear and tear. 
And, you know, plus with, with Anthony Davis in the mix stealing some of those points and rebounds, but his assists are going up, and he, he seems well-rested and ready for, for a strong season. So you might, you might have an all right combo there. All right. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's get back to your, your list of guys you're moving up, and we'll, we'll go to Kristaps Porzingis, uh, now in Dallas paired with Luka Doncic. I guess it all for him it all comes down to how many games is he going to play, is he going to be healthy? Uh but what do you think the environment change will do for his fantasy game if if we assume that he stays reasonably healthy this year? Right. I was I was taking a conservative approach at first with my ranking on him. I think I only projected him for maybe like 66 games and there was a report uh earlier in preseason I believe that they were going to sit him out of back-to-back games, which was concerning especially in weekly lineup leagues, you know, uh, if you're, if you're not getting the full, full slate of games, but, uh, I've started to move him up because he looks, his body looks good to me. He looks stronger. Um, you know, both lower body and upper body, you know, you want that, you want that balance, uh, balance base, right. And he looks pretty good. That first game against the Pistons, he was backing down Blake Griffin and commanded a double team. Whereas, you know, a couple years ago, I feel like Griffin would have been able to hold his own in the post, but uh, Porzingis looks like he's stronger. And definitely that pick-and-pop game with Luka is going to be awesome. He, he's just going to be letting it fly. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's, looking, it's looking good. His, he hasn't, his threes haven't been falling that, that well in preseason, but I think it's a, definitely a dangerous duo and going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, if a guy was to sit every back-to-back during the season, like roughly, could you rough about how how many games that would be that he would miss? They've they've worked hard to reduce the number of back-to-backs the past couple of years, which is good. Um, I'm not sure what the league average is now. If I had to guess, it would be around 10 back-to-backs. 10 to 12, something like that. Yeah, that's that'd be okay. my guess, 10 to 12. If you could say Porzingis seventy games right now, would you take that? Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I'd say okay. 70, yeah, 70 is so. a good. All right, uh, all right. Well, next guy on your list is Terry Rozier, uh, formerly of the Celtics, now in the uh, you know in the Charlotte world where there's all kinds of playing time, and I'm guessing that's kind of what's leading to him rising up your your rankings here is the fact that he is going to get a ton of usage there uh, in Charlotte. Right. Well, we knew that he was going to get all the minutes he could handle. The ball was going to be in his hands all the time, but I was very scared to draft him because of his potentially uh, brutal field goal percentage. He's been over 40%. Uh, maybe every, every seed in his career, I don't have his, uh, well, actually, let me pull that up. 38.7% last year, 39.5% from the field the year before, 36.7 the year before that. So it was kind of a it was kind of a given that being the main man on a team with not too many uh, proven scorers around him that that would remain under 40% and that was definitely a worry. Uh but I've been encouraged uh he's only attempted 15 threes and he's made 7 of them out of his uh 49 field goal attempts so he's not just jacking up threes he's showing good shot selection he's controlling the pace very well and uh he's he's always been a good rebounder for a guard and he'll get some steals too so i've been pretty encouraged and his adp is still really low i feel like he should be getting picked uh, you know in the 55 60 range and you can usually get him like around 65 70 even so i feel like he's a he's a good value point guard 
Nice. There you go. Nice mid round value. Um, just before we jumped on this podcast, you kind of revealed some breaking news that Zion Williamson uh, is dealing with right knee soreness. He's going to miss his final preseason game and he's uh, going to what head back to new Orleans for further testing. So I guess, and you had him on your list of guys that were moving up in the draft. And obviously he was sensational. His first couple of preseason games. What do you, I think he made like 20 of 25 field goal attempts over his first two games. Um, right. He's, he's shooting like 70% from the field. I'm kind of kicking myself for not drafting him in my early drafts because it, it was really easy to predict that once he started playing and his highlights started showing up on YouTube, that they'd go viral and everybody would want to start drafting him and that his ADP would start rising, right? Like I knew that was going to happen and I was still like a little too too timid to take him at, you know, say pick 25, right? But now in my last three drafts, I've seen him go 18, 19, and 17. Maybe these ones coming up after the news about this right knee soreness uh, drops him back even further than where he was at. How much is your concern when you see when you see something like that? It's really tough. It's really tough to say. Of course, uh, it could just be precautionary. Uh, the fact that he's under going to go undergo testing is um, maybe cause for concern there. But uh, I'm sure he's still going to go in the top 25 in most drafts, unless they actually say, "Oh, he's going to miss the season opener, or he's going to miss you know a certain amount of time, or anything like that." Yeah, I think I feel like with something like this, you're gonna if it's really major, like if it's you know you know knock on wood an acl or something like that you're going to find out relatively quickly you know and, you, right. and you're hoping that you're not going to get that kind of news but if it is major and he's going to miss a ton of time uh, i would expect that you know the news will come out pretty quickly and hopefully ahead of a lot of these drafts this weekend right and, and that is the thing with uh, the the bigger players obviously like he's a huge dude and a very powerful explosive player with with a lot of weight on that body and it is you know, I I had no concerns about how his game would translate to the pros. I knew he was going to be an awesome NBA player, but I do have concerns about his career longevity, uh, just given his body type. Yeah, it's pretty unique. Like if you were like who, like if someone asked you who was the best, you know, fantasy player comparison to Zion, like who do you think is the best comp? Oh, I have I haven't really thought about the the fantasy comp. Uh, but yeah, he he is such a unique player, right? Like how his how the stats are going to lay out there. Like uh, you know who's in his world in terms of similar yeah. contributions. I mean, I'd say Carl Malone is a good comp. You know, you have the the similar body type, and one of one of Carl Malone's limitations for fantasy was a lack of blocks because he didn't have the long arms, mm-hmm. and he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't the leaper that Zion is, but that is something that. Um, I've noticed um, in preseason for Zion that I was checking out was that he's played over 100 minutes in preseason already and still hasn't blocked a shot. He's gotten plenty of steals, but uh, the blocks have not translated over from college yet. And I think that's going to kind of make or break his fantasy season is how many blocks does he actually get this year? Right. Yeah. Like maybe it's, it's, it determines whether what level he is or tier he is. If he can add that block stuff, it kind of puts him in a whole, whole nother tier class of players. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Zion's a rookie, a couple other, uh, rookies that you kind of are moving up of late Tyler hero, uh, in Miami, RJ Barrett with the Knicks. Uh, what are you liking about these guys? Uh, well, definitely anybody who who saw Heroes uh, last game will be moving him up their draft boards. <laughs> uh, 
you know, he's a fun player to watch. Uh, he just plays with so much confidence. I think that's one thing that people are taking a liking to him. And it, it looks like he's going to start for Miami, and they do need uh, his his three-point shooting to space the floor. Uh, the question is, like, what other stats is he going to give you besides points and threes? He does have decent size for two guards, so, uh, you know, his rebounds might be all right. Uh, but, yeah, he's definitely moving up draft boards quickly. R.J. Barrett, uh, he, he's had a couple of games where he's played 39 minutes already, and it's just, uh, you know, you knew he was going to play a lot for, for the Knicks because they don't have much else to to hang their hopes on. But uh, if he's playing, if he's playing over 36 minutes a game, then that's definitely a game changer. And, uh, you know, I, I still would prefer him in a point space league where his shooting percentages aren't uh, going to hurt you as much. And I actually just drafted him in a point space league today. But uh, what, what are you projecting for his three pointers this year? Oh, uh, I, I, uh, it's, it's tough to say what his projections are going to be. I don't know what my latest is. I don't expect him to shoot a great, great percentage really from the field from three or the free throw percentage. I mean, he, uh, his current preseason numbers are 38% from the field, 29% from three, eight for 12, 67% free throw. Um, I feel like I feel like he's got uh, you know a little more upside three point potential at least for that field goal percentage to go up. But man, just in college, I you know he's unbelievably uh, you know slithery getting to the basket. Like just just uh, you know one of the best players in college in terms of being able to get to the basket and and find creases in in ways. Uh, I, I would expect that he's probably going to live at the foul line a lot if he continues to carry that over into the NBA. Right. Just I'd I'd say my concern is that he's on the Knicks, right? And they're they're kind of asking him to be the man right away. And you know, he's he doesn't necessarily have the, the most help. I think that's why they started Bobby Portis last game was to kind of help help space the floor, right? To kind of open up the lane for, for RJ to drive. Uh but I I'm pretty cautious about drafting any Knicks, to be honest. <laughs> um okay so williamson hero barrett those guys are rookies uh you know they're kind of probably the top rookies you're targeting um is there some other guys that you're that are rookies that you're expecting a decent amount of minutes that that maybe you know you're gonna at least have have under watch right this this year's rookie uh class is looking pretty strong and definitely some guys are going to step in and play big minutes right away. Rui Hachimura for the Wizards is going to be starting on opening night, guaranteed. Probably plays 30, 30 minutes every night. Uh, fellow Gonzaga teammate Brandon Clark has been starting in preseason with Valanchunas injured. And even if even if Valanchunas is, uh, is healthy to start the season, he's still going to get plenty of backup minutes. And those minutes will probably rise as the season goes on. PJ Washington has kind of been a surprise starter for the Hornets, and again, you know they they're they're playing for the future, so they may as well give him as many minutes as possible. Nikhil Alexander Walker for the Pelicans has been playing great in preseason. Jared Culver too on Minnesota has lots of upside there. Uh, remains to be seen what what exactly his role is going to be, but uh, yeah, all those rookies uh, should be should be playing at least you know twenty minutes a night. 
from the get-go and those minutes should rise as they kind of establish themselves or if their teams, you know, fall out of the playoff hunt and whatnot and want to give their rookies more time. Those are uh, a couple of names definitely to watch uh, lots of minutes. I, I just noticed I went over to Yahoo and, and clicked on their most added players for today. Okay. And two, two more rookies popped up. So I'm just curious what, what you think about them. You can just maybe make a quick comment on them. Uh, Carson Edwards in Boston, Matisse Teibel, uh with Philadelphia, which I know his game. I'm a University of Washington guy, so I know he's got one of the out, most outstanding defensive profiles that you'll see in a long time. And I'm sure because of his preseason uh, where that has flashed, I'm sure some people are seeing him as, as a nice potential three and D kind of guy. So maybe just talk about Carson Edwards, if you have anything else to add on Thibel, uh, go ahead with that as well. Right. I saw Carson made a whole bunch of threes, but, uh, you know, that point guard role is still Kemba Walker's. And obviously he hasn't been playing too much in preseason. And that's going to change because he was he was playing for Team USA over the summer in the World Cup. And uh, once the season starts, I don't expect Edwards to play play too much of a role except in blowouts. You know, he's going to he's definitely going to have some big scoring nights, but I don't think he's going to be a reliable fantasy option. Thibault is more interesting because Philly doesn't have too much of a bench, and so they kind of need guys on their bench to step up, and so he he will have a chance to uh, to step up as their defensive stopper, and if he can make threes, then he could definitely keep those minutes. So he's a, he definitely a player to watch. Uh, so just in general on rookies, um, what are you fearful of them? Like, is it how long does it take them? You know, do you feel like to assimilate to kind of get their their legs under them and? Like, are you worried about the rookie wall with these guys? You typically feel like, you know, some point around the all beyond the all star break, you start to see these guys hit a wall, or is that just more kind of uh, something we talk about that maybe isn't as big a deal? Right. I think that's more that's only relevant for the guys who are playing big minutes. So I think that was definitely relevant for Luka Doncic last year. You know, he wasn't he wasn't used to playing eighty games, and he definitely. Uh, his stats started to slide in the second half, and you could tell his his legs weren't under him. But uh, so that could that could happen to R.J. Barrett for sure if he's going to be playing yeah. loads of minutes from the get go. But most rookies they're not gonna they're not gonna hit that. I don't think just because they're not going to be playing huge minutes right away. Uh, I'd say on the flip side, it's more so you know you you draft a, a rookie expecting him to produce reliably reliably from the start. And what's more likely to happen is that their teams want to ease them into things and that they're not reliable until a couple months into the season, right? And so in that situation, it's almost better to to not draft them, wait for someone else to draft them, then drop them a couple weeks in when they're not getting the minutes that they expected. And then you, if you're paying attention, you know, you'll pick them up before they start start increasing their, their minutes and uh, production. Right. It could be like a lot of these guys really start to take off in the second half and, you know, yeah, uh, and exactly. they've probably gone, they've gone, they've been cycled through on rosters for a while. And that's really kind of when you want to come in and strike. So, uh, all right, let's go to the flip side. Uh, guys that are going to be moving down your, your draft list, uh, that have moved down your draft list of late. And I think, I guess, uh, we'll start with a couple names that were teammates last year in OKC. OKC blew things up. Russell Westbrook went to Houston. Paul George went, uh, to the Clippers, obviously. So you have both of these guys falling down a little bit. Um, maybe Paul George, Due to health, the fact that uh, the doc uh, came out with his prognosis, uh, Doc Rivers saying that he should be Paul George should be out the first ten games of the year. Uh, so, 
why don't you speak on these former teammates? I guess with Russell Westbrook is how is he going to pair alongside James Harden? Can he continue to put up the ridiculous numbers that he did in OKC? I'm guessing you're thinking that's going to come down a bit. Right. Well, I was still still projecting pretty strong numbers for Westbrook, but uh, his preseason stats, there's a lot to uh, be worried about. First of all, his rebounds, right? He's been a triple-double machine. He was, you know, kind of a lock to get 10 rebounds a night, but in 74 preseason minutes, he only has nine rebounds. And so, uh, you know, more of those are going to Clint Capella. Harden is still a good rebounder for his position. But then more so is the three-point shooting where, you know, the Rockets love to shoot threes. They're going to encourage Russ to shoot threes, especially when he's open. He's got to take them. And he's 5 for 21 on threes in preseason. And that that aspect of his game is kind of what's held him back uh, from both fantasy perspective, which which also trickles trickles over to his free throw shooting, which has struggled in recent years. But, uh, you know, impacts his really his ability to help his team win games is if he can't make open threes or he's passing up open threes, then, you know, he's kind of hurting his team. And uh, that's definitely cause for concern on a Rockets team that wants him to shoot threes. Am I wrong in remembering that he was atrocious at the beginning of last year as well? And that was something that uh, got better and better as the season went along. Yeah. He, but still did still didn't end up uh, with a great percentage, right? He's never right. been I mean, he's never been a lethal three point shooter by any means. But he you know, you would expect him to at least shoot thirty four, thirty five percent. And if he if he can't even, you know, get over thirty percent, that's uh definitely gonna hurt the field goal percentage. Right. Uh, all right. What about Paul George? Um, are we really going to like how often are we going to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the line in the same lineup together? It's, it feels like these guys both might be on a maintenance plan. As I mentioned, George probably not going to play the first 10 games as it is. Once he does come back, it uh, might be on a similar kind of uh, plan as as Kawhi. Right. Like, I mean, how often are these two going to be in combo? Right. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the doc to actually come out and say, oh, he, he's we're not going to have him for the first 10 games. So that definitely made me uh, lower his games played projection. And it's not so much like, okay, even if he's going to miss the first 10, 12 games, I'd be okay with that. But yeah, you know that that also means he's going to be sitting out back to backs after he does come back. And plus, you know, like the Clippers are a very deep team and they're going to be a very strong team this year. So they they don't need him um, to play all those games. And it kind of feels like, Paul George is going to be having a Kawhi Leonard type season last year for Toronto where, you know, they're focused on a championship They're you know, they're trying to get to the finals and win a trophy and they're not going to be too concerned about forcing Paul George to play a bunch of games or a bunch of minutes. Right. But and, uh, that might be okay. If he has a season that Leonard had last year uh, was netted out as number 18 on basketball monster in terms of total value. So uh, are you taking Paul George still in that range? Like, have you the doc coming out? Is that are your rankings reflective of that with him at at twenty four? Are you moving down a little bit more because of that? Yeah, I, I have a hard time taking him in those first two rounds in the top twenty four picks. If he fell a little bit further, you know, like twenty eight or something, that's when I'd probably swoop in and pick him up. But, uh, you know, there's, there's just so many good players. You're still, you yeah. know, like Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons, for example, are, 
you know, are you going to pass on those guys to take Paul, an injured Paul George? You know, you're probably going to go with the young, the young healthy guys uh, who can can put up big numbers and have lots of upside still. Right. I would throw a, a guy that no one I haven't heard talk about a whole lot. He's just you know, uh, Jimmy Butler changing teams from the 76ers to the Miami Heat. Uh, it's going to be the man, and you know, Pat Riley has talked about wanting him to be the man. Um, how do you feel about Jimmy Butler in that, in that landscape change there in Miami? Uh, is what's, is, is the ceiling kind of still the same or has that been moved up a little bit if he gets to pretty much have, uh, you know, the run of the show there? That's a great question. And you're right. I, you don't really hear people talking about him. It's just kind of like, he's, he's a given and, uh, like there's, there's not much upside, but there's not much downside too. He's an interesting player. I think I'm uh, shying away from him a little bit. Miami might be more, their offense might be more well-balanced than people are expecting. Like we talked about Tyler Hero uh, attempting a lot of shots. Uh, Goran Dragic is still a kind of ball-dominant player when he plays. Same for Justice Winslow. He's kind of an emerging young player. And so it's a little bit tricky. And Butler, maybe maybe his impact is more on the defensive end this year. You know, maybe he's like a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, and definitely his leadership qualities, I think they value. But I'm not sure if he's a, you know, 20, 24 point scorer anymore. Right. But probably, I guess what the, the selling point with him is pretty good across the board. He's got a pretty safe floor is, is the appeal still with Jimmy Butler, I would guess. Right. Safe floor, but yeah, not as, not as much of an exciting ceiling as, as some of the other guys. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Chris Paul. Since we, we brought up the former Oklahoma city duo. Uh, now Chris Paul finds himself changing places and going to Oklahoma city. I guess he's probably up there with Bradley Beal as the top candidates that might get moved mid-season uh, is that is that still fair to say is bradley beal still uh there with chris paul as as change of uh guys that will get traded mid-season candidates i'll be honest i don't know what what brad beal's uh situation is i i'm i was a little surprised that he signed his extension i thought he would not sign it because i thought he would want to force his way out but maybe he genuinely and, and enjoys it there and doesn't mind if he's uh, going to be playing his prime years on a probably losing team. Uh, so maybe, maybe he's not going to get traded, but Chris Paul, I would think that if OKC gets a good offer for him, that they will jump on that chance. And, you know, Chris Paul might be saying he, he doesn't mind playing for them and that he's happy to mentor these younger guys. But I think, you know, later on in the season, he'll, He'll he'll get on board with wanting to join a contender, and so I'd say yeah he's he's the most likely star player to be traded. I would say if Chris Paul plays seventy games and and, and they're all in Oklahoma City, like what what what's his fantasy value going to look like? Well, I still don't think it's as high as as some people might be thinking. This isn't the same Chris Paul that you know we're used to seeing. He's definitely lost a step he can't he can't maintain that you know 100% for an entire game so i think we're going to see him deferring a little bit more i read a cool article where um steven adams uh how did it go steven adams um was trying to was trying to get the ball to chris paul and then chris paul was like no pass it back to shea gilgis alexander like you know he was just kind of 
part of that is trying to to get the younger guy more reps and more confidence, right? But I could I could see him doing that um, more often than than we would expect. You know, he's not the type of type of guy that's going to be selfish, and he also I don't think you know he's just too old to be trying to to be the guy that creates shots on every single play uh, nowadays. So you always make it sound like he's just a guy that's happy to collect a paycheck at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. He's still he's still one of the toughest competitors out there, you know. Uh, all right, let's turn uh, let's turn our attention to a couple big men, um, and we'll start with Mitchell Robinson with the Knicks. He's been a kind of a buzzy guy there. Uh, came on strong last year, and so where are you at on Mitchell Robinson? These are guys that are moving down your list, so I guess you're you've soured at least a little bit on him since the start of the preseason. Right. Well, I didn't have him ranked that high to begin with compared to other places. Like I think Yahoo had him ranked super high, and part of that is because. Uh, you know they value the the low turnover guys, and he Mitchell definitely is a, a better player for say nine cat head to head as opposed to eight cat roto right, where you know head to head you can build a a team that's either punting free throw percentage with him or punting assists or threes or something like that, and you know he can dominate the the blocks category, but he's sliding down. He came off the bench last game. I don't expect that to continue, but you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to get 28, 30 minutes a game just because he's one of their top prospects. Like he ha- he'll have to earn it and then he'll also have to stay on the floor, which means avoiding foul trouble. I think that's my biggest concern with him is that he, he, he's shown that he picks up a lot of fouls and uh, he has trouble staying on the floor just because of that. Um, so what about Kevin Love in Cleveland? Uh, he's another big man uh, that is sliding down your down your list. What uh, what aren't you liking about him of late? Well, he hasn't played too much in preseason. Let me pull up his his stats here to look. But I was watching the um, the Cavs versus Celtics game the other day, and Kevin Love didn't play. Tristan Thompson didn't play, and so they didn't have their full their full arsenal. Kevin Love has only played 39 preseason minutes, but that game, uh, I think at one point it was 86 to 43. Boston was up, so they had double the points of Cleveland, and you, and like I said, Love wasn't in the game, but it just made me uh, kind of start to start to think about that. You know, this is not the best situation for Kevin Love to be in. He's not really an elite uh, offensive player anymore, and. Uh, you know, he has all these young guys around him. Cleveland is clearly in a rebuild. And so, uh, and if the Cavs are trying to trade him, I don't know how tradable that contract is, but if they are, then they're going to be very careful with his health, with his health, trying to keep him healthy, right? And so that could mean, you know, some DNP rest games. And it just doesn't seem like a very positive outlook for Kevin Love this year. Uh all right, another big man that doesn't seem like a positive outlook, at least from your perspective, is Derek Favors. I would, I think uh, it's fair to say that you think of this guy as one of the most overrated <laughs> fantasy entities heading into the season. I, I know that because I've read your roundtable reactions to him with uh, Eno Saris and Sam Lacey on our on the athletic site. We've done a couple of roundtables. Be sure to check those out on the site. And you didn't uh, mince words when it came to Derek Favors. Uh, calling him overrated. He was number 59 in basketball monster uh, value last year. 
you don't think he has any shot of repeating that this year. Why don't you tell us why? Right. Well, uh, so Derek Favors, you know, people, the assumption was that leaving Utah would be good for him. You know, he'd get to be New Orleans starting center and that he'd be playing a ton of minutes right away and that a uh, fast-paced offense is good for everyone. But Derek Favors isn't uh, the young Derek Favors anymore. He's not that old, but he's also had knee issues, back issues, and he just doesn't get up and down the floor uh, as well as younger guys. And uh, I think people underestimated the fact that Zion Williamson will probably be, be most effective as a center. And uh, so, you know, you're seeing that in preseason. Derek Favors isn't playing too much. And the the Pelicans are going to be using Zion at center as much as possible. Plus, they have lots of talented wing players that they want to get on the floor. You know, Favors isn't going to be shooting, uh, making, making a bunch of threes or anything to help out in that regard. So they'd rather get some smaller players on the floor. But of course, after, I, after I've... Um, you know, talked all this smack about favors. Now that Zion is potentially <laughs> Zion potentially has a knee issue, maybe then um, then favors will get the minutes uh, people expected. But that's kind of what I said: is the only the only way favors gets the minutes that he needs to produce where people are picking him is if something happens to Zion Williamson, and no one wants to see that. So I really hope no, that's not the case. I, I don't want to see that either. But just uh, to kind of clarify, like where he's going in average drafts is only justified if we get a report that Zion's going to be out for a significant amount of time. Right. Yeah. Then okay. then go for it. Feel free to draft favors. But until that happens, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not ch- touching him. Before I said I wasn't touching him in the top 80. And, uh, yeah, I'm not even touching him in the top 100. So yeah, feel free to uh, – Draft him at your own peril. <laughs> hey, one other thing. That was the last guy on your on your guys' dropping list, but I forgot to mention John Morant in the rookie section. Uh, he's my my 13-year-old son's new favorite player. Um, and uh, the other night I saw him miss a dunk that was about the most exciting thing in that game. Uh, where are you at on his fantasy value this year? Yeah, that's that kid is definitely one of the most athletic athletic guards i've i've ever seen maybe he's uh definitely has that like young westbrook explosiveness and uh he's going to be getting lots of assists the question is how well is he going to be shooting the three ball you know how many how consistently can he score um you know how how many steals he can get those kind of questions how how bad his field goal percentage is going to be but definitely if you need assists in those middle rounds you know, he, he should definitely uh, be one of the better guys to target. And another one of those rookies that's not going to lack for minutes uh, for sure. Right, there right. In Memphis. Uh, listen, man, that's all the guys, uh, that's all the guys that we have to talk about. Uh, but we have plenty of these uh, Dunks and Dimes podcasts ahead of us. Uh, one note about that, we are taping this week on a Thursday. It probably means we'll be out there a little bit earlier than normal. We're going to plan for the two of us to be taping this Friday morning. So we'll still be ahead of the weekend and should be enough ahead of the weekend for those people that want to listen to us on their way home. If they cut out of work a little bit early to to beat that weekend rush, we should still be there. So uh, be sure to check us out each Friday and or listen to us over the weekend going forward, but we'll be here uh, throughout the season. It was, uh, it was great talking to you for this first one. Uh, why don't you, why don't you plug what you do uh, outside the athletic with rotoevil.com? 
Yeah, if you if you're a serious hoops fan and you want to uh, dominate your fantasy league, check out RotoEvil.com. You know, we have projections for nearly 400 players, customizable rankings. You can adjust for head-to-head, you know, if you're punting a category and whatnot. Lots of jam-packed articles on there, how to build teams, roto teams, head-to-head teams, different punting strategies. Uh, definitely uh, lots of repeat customers. Uh, love coming back, uh, coming back for more. Have been very successful, a lot of... Uh, our subscribers have won some really big contests. And so check it out, rotoevil.com. Yeah, it's great stuff. You can uh, find Eric at rotoevil on Twitter. You can find me at Brandon Funston. Of course, you can get a bunch of Eric's stuff on The Athletic in our uh, Fantasy Hoops draft kit. So be sure to check that out. We have some stuff from Enosaurus and Sam Lacey in there as well, including dynasty uh rankings if you're if that's your thing. Um, and again, you can get 40% off at athletic.com slash dunks and dimes. So check that out and uh, check out uh, the athletic.com podcast backslash NBA, um, which has a bunch of our uh, athletic podcasts. They're available on iTunes and Spotify. And if you like the show, this show or uh, the other NBA shows, be sure to leave us a quick rating and review. Uh, So that's going to do it for our debut edition of Dunks and Dimes. Thanks for joining Eric and I, and we hope to catch you again next week. Until then, Eric and everybody else, have a great Fantasy Hoops draft weekend, everyone. Mm